Hey, it's Chris. And Kylie. We're just a couple of jerks who need help following Jesus. Our podcast is all about humility. And finding direction and purpose. Especially when life gets hard or things don't turn out like we thought they would. Welcome to Following Jesus for Jerks. All right. Well, welcome back. Hi, everybody. We're here again with, uh, with our friend Robert Johnson. Uh, banker. Okay. Can I try it? Can I try it again now? Go let's see. It. Let's see how I do. Banker, missionary, recording engineer, guitarist, author, entrepreneur, and not one, but two, uh, specialty beverage companies. The first type being kombucha. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> But saying it wrong my whole life. Yep. I noticed it years ago. Never brought it up. Let, just let You're me suffer. You're a nice huh? guy. He is, he is a nice guy. Uh, and hydroponic farmer. Mm-hmm. Did I, what did I miss? Um, World video, video store, video store employee, video store uh, clerk. Manager. Man, excuse me. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I did, I did have my voice. In, do you remember Billy the Bass? The talking singing yeah. fish. Yes. So they, Billy the Bass Fish, uh, was such a success uh-huh. that they came out with a new line of other animals, and my voice was in the lion. Yes. What? Um, what did you say? Please, please. I go. did. I did Gary Glitter's song that went. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did the haze layer. Yes. Wow. Well, you fit in really well because. We're very good at impersonations. <laughs> Are we now? <laughs> Actually, I was told by someone Never very, do them again. <laughs> very recently to stop doing Ronald Reagan. <laughs> that it's horrible. Yeah. And I said, yeah, we probably should just stop. One last time. Well, well, Nancy. <laughs> you know what's funny is your Ronald Reagan impression every time you do it. It's those two words. That's it. It's well, well at the end of the last episode, you oh, said, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. and every time you say that, I want to go, yeah. well, well, okay. That's the last. All right. Let's jump in. But here we are with here Robert are. Johnson. It's a cool cat. Well, welcome back. Um, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. Mutual. I, I do want to, let, let me, no, no, I wasn't if, about I, if I may, I wasn't about to say anything. Don't worry. Oh, please. You cut me off all the time. <laughs> I figured out what the deep seated connection is that maybe you guys haven't even realized between Robert and I. Yeah. What is it? A, a, a deep, deep mutual hatred for Indiana. No. Well, you said, he doesn't hate Indiana. You no. said, and I don't hate Indiana. When you either. talked about moving last time, you said of all places, Indiana. Okay. Well, <laughs> he doesn't hate Indiana <laughs> and kidding. I don't either. I just, I'm kidding. I just don't like Indiana drivers. <laughs> So I will say, after I left Sweetwater, <laughs> I had every opportunity to leave, and I'm like, you know what? I kind of like this place. Yeah. And uh, we've had opportunities to leave in the and since then, and we've stayed. Yeah. We love Indiana. Yeah. Um, running for governor next year. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. Oh man! Yeah. For a second, I was like, I laughed, but maybe I shouldn't have. <laughs> We we broke it here first yeah. on the podcast. Breaking news. <laughs> Blues artist Robert Johnson. <laughs> Running and for famous, governor of Indiana. Famous uh, Billy the Bass uh, spinoff, uh, spinoff artist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, I do want to jump in though yes. and go early into um, the story about going to the Philippines and meeting your um, friend turned girlfriend turned spouse. What's clearly you grew up in a Christian home, parents missionary, Ukraine, all that. Mm-hmm. What was her not not necessarily talking through her whole journey, but when you mm-hmm. talk very early on about trusting God, like what was that was that new to her? Where was she in her faith as you guys met and developed this relationship? No. Um oh boy, here here's a great story. <laughs> um so Philippines is predominantly Catholic, but she was she did come from a evangelical background. Her brother was a pastor, but um, you know she came from a very large family. Uh, uh, man, I'm going to spitball this. Think she's one of eight siblings. They'd also adopted some kids, but uh, faith ran deep in that family. There, so deep, in fact, that there were days that they didn't even have food to eat. Like not a drop, not an ounce of food to eat, but her mom, my wife's mom had so much faith that God would provide that she would set the table, put the plates down, silverware, and they would sit down and hold hands and pray and thank God for the food that didn't exist. And I kid you not, there was a time when a cat jumped through the window with a bag of fish, dropped it, <laughs> dropped it on the table, oh, what? dropped it on the table what? and jumped back out the window. Now I will say I've lived, I've been to the Philippines a total of 10 months. I never saw a cat once. So just the fact that there was a cat to begin with is just weird. But this is, this is Ravens cat. bringing Elijah. Yes. Food level. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And th- th- I know there was a an instant. Sorry, I just cut you off. Nope, but nope. I was just going to rub it in Kylie's face that it was a cat. Yes. That brought it, not um, yeah. an angelic God's, cat. God's messenger. God's messenger. In feline form. <laughs> but, you know, walking down the street, alley, you know, not having food, you're going to the market, but you don't have, you don't have money. And just to be, you know, you're walking and then just like you feel something on your foot and it's just like, wow, what is stuck on my foot? And to bend down, it's like a 500 peso bill stuck on your shoe. And it's like, oh, thank you, Lord. We have money for the market now. That's cool. So wow. that kind of faith is yeah. where yeah, she came something. from. Well, we've, we've talked about that just even on previous episodes of our desperation and need that, that other places, other cultures <laughs> – experience that we never yeah. even come across here. Yeah. Like you talked about with the cultural difference in the busy, not besides the busyness, but just the abundance and, yeah. you know, seeing that in the Ukraine, seeing that in the Philippines, because, you know, poverty on the other side of the world is not the same as yeah. poverty here, not to discount poverty. Poverty is horrible no matter where, you know, if you can't feed your child or yourself sure. or pay your bill, you know, doesn't matter what part of the world you're from, that's terrible. But, you know, over there, there's no social services, there's no WIC, there's no welfare. You know, if you don't have money, you don't have money. You're not yeah. eating. Yeah. yeah. And there's no option. So, 
you know, to trust in God, you know, that's the kind of trust that even I would say, I don't, I don't know if I've fully experienced because I've have my needs met. So she was in, so back to your wife was in from a faith perspective yes. all along the way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then, again, that's kind of like Chris and I, that was the bond. Um, you know, neither one of us were looking for a quote boyfriend or girlfriend, but we had faith and we had martial arts. That was our, you know, our bond that, you know, we could talk to each other about. And that's, you know, that was the foundation. Yeah. Did you square off? Yeah. Ever? Who, who, who wins that battle? Oh, me every time. Ooh. Every. I, I was, <laughs> was Wing Chun. She were here when she say that? I, I, I was Wing Chun. Um, and she, she was Taekwondo. So I'm like, oh, so much better. Yes. <laughs> so much better. <laughs> so, man, incredible. I, I just, I probably just offended a lot of people with that. So I apologize. Well, welcome to the club. Yeah. Yes. Nobody's uh, listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, incredible story last week, and, and I want to kind of pick up where you landed because, um, you know, you mentioned this new endeavor working with cast farms and cast housing. There's, there's more to the story. Yeah. Like but- with, with your family, you, you guys have just done something, um, that's a pretty, pretty remarkable, um, Tell us, tell tell us about the housing part of it, please. Yes, we were running short on time, so I'm like, sure. I'm I'm stuck. Here we are, though. Here yes. we are. So part, you know, there, there's multiple parts of cast housing. Housing was the first thing. Um, one of the issues that we find with with people with intellectual disabilities is. They typically spend their life they're they're stuck at home with their parents. They don't, you know. You have the group home option. You know, you hear horror stories with that a lot of times, and um, I won't go into all the laws and the rules, but it's it's not a good place for a parent to be to have a a child with with varied abilities and to realize I'm gonna I'm going to pass away someday, and what where does that leave my child? So Cass Housing developed a new kind of housing, independent living for adults like this. Uh, three adults with intellectual disabilities, they live together. They each have their own rooms, their own suites, you know, 500 square feet, but they also have a common space. So community. Um, you know, if you want to be together, you can be together. If you need that privacy, you have your privacy but you also need a safety net. That safety net is a steward family, which also lives on site, not in that same area they live, but in our case, we live on the second floor. They all live on the first floor. We get together once a week, have a meal, once a month, have an outdoor activity, like bowling, movie, things like that. And you just, we're there to serve as a safe neighbor. Um, now we just moved in. We've been there two weeks as of now. They moved in four days ago. Mm. So this is very new to me. <laughs> um, 
so I don't want to glamorize it or anything, but um, because I don't have much experience so far with it. But so far, I mean, it, it's been eye-opening. It's been life-changing these last four days, you know, to be there for these adults who this is their first taste of freedom, literally, you know, 27 to 33 years old, never lived outside the home, never gone to college. They have their independence now. Um, <coughs> first night, lost a cat. That's what I'm there for. You know, I, I help me find my cat. So mm. I, you know, look through the house, find it, finding the cat. Yesterday, dog got off its leash. And the the owner, you know, she was in hysterics. That's her comfort. Mm-hmm. Her only comfort is that dog, that little dog that she's had for two years. That I don't think she could do this without that dog. And my dog ran away. Mm. If if we're not there, that's a recipe for disaster. Sure. Uh, found the dog. So, um, you know, little things. I don't know how to do my laundry. Can you help? Uh, I don't know how to order a pizza. How do I do it? You know, things like that. Helping them become independent so when their parents do pass away, which will happen, they, they're they not in the dark. Yeah. So. Mentorship. It, yeah. Community. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, extended family. You know, we created a meal together on Monday ate together. I've never experienced anything like it. Mm. Um, when was this? Beginning of COVID. I was reading a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Uh, never cared about hospitality or community, things like that. Some reason drawn to that book, and there was a passage, a, a verse in Romans 12, but the message translation and it was we don't we don't recognize the validity of the method <laughs> no i know yeah. but, no i'm joking i'm kidding i'm but, joking i'm kidding. but <clears throat> there's a verse uh and it's uh be inventive in your hospitality i loved it mm. and that lit a spark again that was another spark that was lit in me i i was drawn and i'm like how can i how do I do that? And it was about a month later that I heard about cast housing and I'm like, this, this is, this is what I'm craving. Wow. Wow. You know, who would have ever, who would have ever said to themselves, you know what? I want to move my family in with three other adults and live under one roof and do life together. That's, I don't think God calls most people to that specific thing, but that is inventive. And and I think about the, you know, you told the story of not not the story, but you told about you as a as a thirteen year old kid experiencing what you experienced as your family was one of the you know you said one of the the first people on the ground when the Ukraine opened up, yeah, and to be able to be there and experience that culture and and how that. You know, your words, right? You said that that changed everything for you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And to think about your kids getting to have that opportunity to 
to have a foot in that world as well, right? To have a foot in the world of, hey, we're, our purpose, our role is to serve these three other adults as best we can, to love them, to get around them, to be community, to walk with them, whatever, fill in the blank. And like what that's, what that's going to mean for, for them as they get older, as they grow into what God's called them to for their yeah. lives. I just think that's a cool thing. Yeah. And again, I think part of it is normalizing mm. because, you know, the, the, the truth is that, you know, most people are afraid of things that are different Sure, people that are different. I was afraid of people with disabilities. I don't know how to interact with them. I yeah. think they're different. They want to understand me. I want to understand them. But then when you work alongside them, when you talk to them, when you befriend them and you realize, wow, did I have a stereotype? Mm. And to help my children realize that they're just like you and I, they want love. They like to laugh. They want camaraderie. They want security. They want all the things, just like in Ukraine, these kids that I think Oh, they're our enemies. They want to kill us. No, they laugh at the same jokes. They want to go outside and play sports. They want to climb trees. We're all the same. Mm. Doesn't matter where we come from or what ability we have. I was thinking the same thing about your experience in your, the Ukraine, that we're all the same. That And, and you use the word normalizing. Like, how do you think that we as a culture, broader culture maybe, or as a, a people of faith, like how do we continue to, how does that expand that normalization of we're all just human beings? Closeness. You know, we homogenize, <laughs> you know, we've got our churches that the people look the same, you know, you might call a demographic and they're, they're, there can be, again, I come from a entrepreneurial background and I understand demographics, but when you're talking about the body of Christ, that's multi-generational, multi-cultural, multilingual, multi-ability. Um, we're a body, you know, we're arms and legs and eyes and ears and everything else. And we're different and that we got to embrace our differences and not say, oh, I'm colorblind or I'm, I don't notice differences. Of course you do. Right. (laughs) But I will say every, every person with a quote disability, you know, has a perspective and a viewpoint that's, that's valuable and man, I've been changed. Mm. I've been changed over the last year. So what? <clears throat> you know, we all see it, or maybe we've maybe we've been it, right? Where you talk to someone who you know English isn't their first language, mm. and so you, uh, so you, so you dumb down your language, you dumb down your own English to think that you're helping them, and then one day you learn like. Oh, that doesn't actually help them, right? Like, Talk no. louder. Yeah, right. Or, yeah, you, you know, yeah, whatever, right? So, so what, 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 what do we need to learn about how, cause you, you said something important, I, I believe you, you talk about how you, 
you know, you admitted, hey, I was scared of. I never knew how to interact with. What do we need to learn about that as we welcome these people in our lives, as we interact with them in church and supermarket and whatever? Like, what's something we can do to make their experience just a bit better than it than it could than it is right now? I I do think this is a lifestyle change that 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 we should all look at slowing down. Um, man. Yes. Sorry. Sorry to fill you in, Chris. <laughs> um, and I've, I've had, this is not something that was like an overnight thing, but being comfortable with interruptions, um, just being able to listen to not, not even necessarily having to talk, mm. but to listen and You know, one of the things that I I learned during COVID uh, that I wasn't good at, you know, embracing interruptions. You know, if you if you see a need, for example, and being able to say, you know, what, I'm not in too much of a hurry that I can't step in, mm. and to love this person, you know, Jesus. You know, I think I think it was a book I read. I don't remember what it was, but you know, most of his miracles happen as the result of an interruption, he was doing something else. Yeah, that's fair. You know, if we're at the grocery store and you see someone in need, because you can tell, just help. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be over-the-top extravagant. Um, but always record it on your phone for social media. Yes, yeah. and then post it. Uh, make it public. <clears throat> like your own post. <laughs> Sorry, that's probably didn't need to be said. Sorry. Yeah, everyone knows that. <laughs> but again, I think it's it's not being so concerned about my schedule that I can't love someone else. Man, I was hoping to hear something easier. No, this is all about making it as difficult as possible. <laughs> no. So, yeah. But the reality is that is easy. I mean, slowing down is not. Yeah. But to to have eyes to see. Yeah. Like God's given us the ability to to see those in need, to see those that are are on the margins. Yeah. But to take be, have the the ability to take time and do something about it. Not just see it, but to do something. I'll tell another story. This is because it's fresh in my mind. It's new, um, and it relates. And I and I also think when you live in that kind of posture, that that kind of lifestyle, you know, when you make yourself a vessel, God is like, okay, I'm going to fill you up. That's what happens. And I was I was at home. On a Saturday, and just got out of the shower, walking downstairs, and I heard a knock on the door. This is the week before I moved. Um, I think three Saturdays ago, uh, knock on the door. So I go to the door and open the door, and there's this guy, this small guy, mid twenties, and he says, "Uh, um, uh." Hi, sir. 
I'd like to freestyle rap. Can I, can I show you something? And I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, yes, <laughs> this is the best way to start my Saturday. So I closed the door behind me and I'm like, this is going to be the best. This white, you know, young kid freestyle rapping. And so he pulled out his phone, pulled out, typed in YouTube and held it to his ear. He starts rapping. And the laying bare his soul of how he's losing his kids and how his family doesn't love him anymore and how he's a disappointment and a failure and how he's trapped in these struggles. And it's like in the middle of a verse, he just stopped. And it's like he was flustered because he realized what he had done. He just like bared his soul. for. And I stopped him and I said... What are what are you what are you struggling with? And he just flat out told me he's like meth. And I want to stop, but I can't. And I don't know what to do. I'm losing my kids because of it. My wife, my girlfriend's gonna leave me. My kids don't look at me the same anymore. They don't trust me. Wow. And I'm like, that was not what I was expecting wow. when you knocked on my door. Mm-hmm. And I drew him close to me, and I said, can I pray with you? And he said, I need you to. And on the, you know where my house is, you know, the traffic that zips past on a busy road. And we stood there on my porch, and I hugged him and prayed for him. And he just started sobbing. And I can feel, you know, his chest, like, pressed to mine, feel his heartbeat as he's sobbing, and I'm praying for him. And then, you know, we finished and we talked, you know, for about 10, 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes. And uh, he told me before he left, he's like, you know what, I was, I I was walking down another street and I turned the corner and I turned around because I felt drawn to your house for some reason. Huh. And I got to your doorstep and I didn't know why I was there, but I knocked. And the only thing I knew what to say was, you know, do you want to hear me freestyle rap? That's what happens when you make yourself available to God and you slow down because my first reaction was, I'm sorry, I don't have cash. I, I have things to do. I don't have time to hear you rap. I have a family. And besides, I don't carry money. I don't carry cash. Because that's what I assumed he wanted. Um, when we slow down, I fully believe that's what God puts in our lives. Hmm. Brandon, say a prayer for Brandon today. If you're listening, because I think he needs it. Wow. It's funny. It wasn't, wasn't that many episodes ago that we were talking about living life with margin <clears throat> Yeah, in a way that yes. when, when things like that happen, it doesn't throw it off, but no. you have, 
If you're always in a hurry. Work. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's a challenge. That's a challenge for, we both admitted it, you know, Kylie and I. Somebody recommend, recommended in the last month, um, for me to read the ruthless elimination, elimination of, of hurry. hurry. Yeah, and by John Mark. Yeah. We both, we both bought the book. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good book. Yeah. And that was part of what, you know, I said last year, you know, during COVID, I read that book during COVID mm-hmm. and it opened my eyes and it's a book worth reading because we've got to slow down because you're not going to see where, where God is working if you're too busy getting to your next yeah. destination. And not just destination, but stuff we fill our lives with. I, I think about and, and, and the book talked about that and, and we all know it, you know, social media and our phones and everything that's consuming and, and that we have this, it develops this expectation of faster and, and quicker and, and accomplishment and all these things. And it's like we almost have to unlearn what's taken place, you know, digitally over the last 20 years of, okay, this, we, we thought this was all going to be great and, and there's, definitely positives within it but when it comes to speed and production and everything we've almost got to unlearn some of it yeah. to come back to a place where we can be still and have margin and mm-hmm. not miss things that God's laying in front right. of us yeah and so you you've you've put your you and your family in a position to do that deliberately yeah Intention, like on purpose, like we're going to, we're going to put such a, I don't want to use the word pause because you're not pausing anything. No, you're not, not you're, you're doing right. But, but we're going to, we're going to put ourselves in a position to welcome the interruption. Yeah. To not just, not just like, we're going to drop ourselves in the middle of it. We're going to change our, our living situation to be in this community. And dare I use the word missional community you know i don't i don't know and and i don't know that it i don't know that it matters that it's a if it's a christian thing or not right like you're you're rubbing up against them with your lives yeah that's that's jesus's mission yeah right so who cares if cast is a and and we like i said i don't it doesn't even matter but yeah and they're and they're not and they're not but again it's you know the whole uh goal of cast was it's not a faith-based organization Mm -hmm. but it's a faith response you know, mm. as a believer, why wouldn't you do this? Yeah. You know, why wouldn't you want to love your neighbor as yourself? And that that's the posture I choose to take because it's a faith response, you know. Um, not everyone, again, I think hospitality is a spiritual gift. And not everyone is going to... Uh, God doesn't call everyone in the same ways. So I don't think everyone should do that, but he has given you something. Sure. And you're, you're right. You know, not, not everyone's called to do that, but I mean, I think Jesus is pretty clear about every believer's attitude of service to the poor, disenfranchised women, children, right? Like, like we're we're always called to that, yeah. And I I love the way uh, I, I love the way C.S. Lewis puts it. He says we're all called. You know, when Jesus tells us to feed the poor, he doesn't give us a cookbook, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
right? Do, do what, do what you can. As long as you're doing it, right? Yeah. Do what you're called to. And it might look different. Kylie's, Kylie's interpret, Kylie's interpretation of that is different than mine, is different than yours, yeah. but be inventive yeah. in your Yeah, blank. I like that. You know what? It doesn't have to look like the soup kitchen or the, you know, moving in with three other people. You know, it can be anything. Yeah. Use your, use your ability to make a difference. Um, that's what God makes us different for. So what's, so what's your, your vision for this, this communal style living, right? You're, you're literally, you're, you're four days into it, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. With you said the, they, they said that the three other girls just moved in four days ago, right? Yeah. You're yeah. four days into it. Where, where is this going to be in four years? Like, what's your vision for it? For you, for you, your family, for these other adults? Um, what I envision, I want them to have full calendars, to have healthy relationships. When my kids graduate, I would love for them to be there because they feel just as much a part of my kids' lives, you know, as their own siblings. I want them to have jobs that they love. I want them to wake up each morning and feel like, wow, it's a brand new day. Uh, I can't wait to start it. You know, I want them to thrive because before it was the thing of I'm at home, mom and dad are at work, don't have any friends. You know, life, the extent of life is Facebook. Mm. That's a prison cell. Mm. You know, one man that moved in earlier this year, 52 years old, never lived outside of his home. You know, freedom. That's freedom. You know, we use that word a lot in America. And I think we misunderstand it in a biblical context and in an actual context. But, you know, to be free to choose how I spend my day after 52 years of living mm. in a basement, you know, that's beautiful. That's freedom. Wow. I, I recognize sitting next to you and listening to you share your stories um, as a very tender, compassionate person see tears well up and emotionally. And in the last episode, as you talked through your story and talked through, you know, how God was um, moving in you and times of loneliness, times of depression. Um, and it seemed to be very emotional as you've gone from like, I, I want to ask from a mental health perspective, like where you were during that time, which, you know, we all go through different seasons of life, but as you walk into this or, or into this housing situation, into giving yourself a way to be, um, creatively hospitable and, and like, how has that shifted or has it shifted your personal mental health? Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of people and Chris and I have talked about this. Many times, I, I remember when we reconnected the first time in Chipotle, yeah, yeah, of all places, 
second time I'd ever been to Chipotle. Look at that. And, you know, they're, they're, we hear a lot about burdens and casting your cares and your burdens upon the Lord for he cares for you. But we rarely put that in the practice. There, there is healing in admitting our sin. I think that's where the healing begins. Instead of burying it and pretending like everything's okay, it's, you know what? You know, that's why I tell my story about losing my car because it's crucial. Without that, there's no, you know, it wouldn't make sense. Wow, that's good. For what, what, what the growth trajectory is without that, you know, you have to hit rock bottom. Not only that, but you have to admit it. And you have to say, you know what? I was bad with my finances. You know, I was trying to help, but I made poor decisions. And until I could come out and admit that, it was just like a hamster in a wheel. Mm. You know, it's like same old thing you fall into. Um, you know, after Sweetwater, it's like, man, you know, I don't want to do the payday loan, but maybe we should. And it's like, well, what did you learn? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a trap. That's a trap that they want you stuck in. And taking that and being able to come to other people and say, hey, I'm in trouble. I need help. Um, there's freedom. Man, there's freedom in confession. And you know that. We've talked about it. And it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect after that. But but there's a reason, you know, in uh, where is, is it Peter, First Peter, about confessing, you know, our sins to others. Yeah, we don't do that anymore. John. Man, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. That was where the change yeah. took place. And we talk about freedom, how we rarely know what freedom, we misuse that word, but that is freedom. Yeah. Well, you hear it even in how you describe <clears throat> what the Lord did as you confess, as you repent, as you're experiencing healing and freedom. And it it feels like you're transferring that into the gift of hospitality and wanting you know, the people that are living with you to experience freedom yeah. and obviously a different way, but at the same time, I mean, that's a, like you said, that's a huge word. Well, I mean, doesn't Jesus, doesn't Jesus say that when, when he's talking about the woman who washes his hair or why, I'm sorry, washes his feet and dries them with her hair. He says, this woman's been forgiven much. So she loves much. If you're forgiven yeah. a little, you love little. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. related. Yeah. And I fully believe Again, I think that's the beauty of Christ is that he takes these broken things and stories, you know, no, no story, no brokenness will be, will go unused if, if we're willing to let him use that. I love how, I love how it's listening to you. It's your faith is not something you do. It's a lifestyle. It's who you yep. are. And it's it's really beautiful to listen to. Yeah. Man, that's really good. Well, 
Any parting words? Parting words. Any parting words for us, Oof. Robert. Be inventive in your hospitality, in your mercy, in your peace, in your day-to-day life. God's a creative God. In the beginning, God created. Yeah. You know, that's the first thing we know of him. And I believe he wants us to be creative in whatever we do. Mm. Well, that's a power. Stop. Don't say that. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> that's a powerful story. I'm, yeah. I'm honored to sit here on the couch next to you and hear your testimony and how God's working in your life. And I love it. Like just the, I've been on missions trips across the globe and like, that's what I've pulled since I've received since we stopped taking trips. And I know we shared about, you know, we've brought foster children and adopted kids. And I feel like taking what I've learned from being across the world and it's like being on mission here in everything that we do. And, uh, so thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. Yeah. My privilege. Yeah. Next week. Let's try yeah, it again. Yeah, but yeah. One, one of these days we'll get, get this right. We'll that was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Love y'all. See ya. Peace.